Wow, so I'm recording. What's going on, guys? Ian McAdam, the future adventures of Poncho and Sancho podcast, unofficially brought to you by Bad Touch Supply, gloves for your hands. I was paid to say that, or maybe I wasn't. So, wanted to do a pilot episode and kind of start getting things going here because I, uh, something I've been kind of peer pressured into doing, and I feel like it just needs to happen, so... Went and figured out all the technology stuff. Got myself a fancy little podcast microphone. Right now recording this off of my phone, so forgive me if it sounds like doo-doo. But uh, just trying to put a format together, something entertaining, something for the, uh, for the fans of motorsports in Northern California. A lot of the people that have supported me from day one, back from when I raced motocross all the way now to... Uh, being an announcer uh, that goes literally all over the place. I mean, I've done in 2022, I did flat track races out in Santa Rosa, short course off road at Prairie City and in uh, and in Marysville at East Street MX Park. Uh, what else have I done? Pit bike racing at Grass Ranch, pit bike MX, all sorts of different things. I did NorCal Truck Mania, which had a truck pole and UTV tough truck stuff. And it honestly sounds like things are just going to completely blow up for me in 23 and already have some stuff on the horizon for 24. So with that being said, I figured I'd give you guys the story as far as how did I get where I'm at? How did I get where I'm at? What, what possessed me to be an announcer? Cause you don't, I, I had my boss at my day job because, by the way, I also have a full-time job on top of this. I just won't tell you what it is because it's not that much fun. Uh, what possessed me to do this? So growing up, I rode horses, grew up in the Western lifestyle, uh, rode horses, different kinds of events. I know this is more motorsports-based, so I won't go, won't go too Western on you guys. But with that being said, I... I was involved in event production from probably the age of, I'm going to say roughly 18, 19 years old. Uh, we had a local horse, horse arena down the street from where I grew up in Shingle Springs, California. And it, my mom ended up getting in cahoots with a guy named Jeff Askew, uh, Aero J Cattle Company. And we would do two night shows, uh, first night being Jim Canna timed events on horseback for those of you that aren't familiar with that it's basically barrel racing from rodeo but with a lot of other events that are similar and then saturday night would be team penning uh team of two would go grab multiple cows with the same number on them so on and so forth so i was there helping out with uh arena prep helping out with watering helping out with whatever you know 18 19 year old me did well, one night, Jeff had a few too many, like a lot of us do, and he just was not not in the right mind to be announcing his own team betting. And I had kind of been peer pressured into this, and my dad, ever since I was probably seven or eight years old, we'd be watching NASCAR racing and stuff of that sort, NASCAR, sprint cars, I grew up around circle track, and I would be commentating it. And one of my major, one of my favorite things I used to love to go to as a kid was uh, monster truck shows. And I'd found them all over the place. Like, believe it or not, when I was a kid and I can't remember how old I was, but there was a, 
massive monster truck show at Cal Expo. One time only thing, I guess the, uh, the cart racers weren't too happy with the amount of car parts that were still left in, in the dirt when they were all said and done. I don't blame them. So as that continues, I always loved the, uh, I always loved the, the energy. I always loved how those kind of announcers would connect with you. Like back when I was super young, seven, eight years old, still, I uh, would go to these other horse events and there was this announcer by the name of Kevin McLaughlin. And I hope one of these days Kevin comes across this podcast because I would love to reconnect with him and let him know that he was a direct, uh, more or less the direct reason why I do what I do today. And he was amazing. I always look forward to this guy's cracking jokes. He's playing good music. He's giving everybody nicknames. It's just an all-around fun environment. It's not somebody sitting on a microphone going, all right, and your next team is so-and-so and so-and-so, and your number is three. Three. Your number is three. Oh, no. Next thing you know, so my mom's a redhead, and my dad is just awesome. And so the whole nickname he gave for my mom, dad, and I was Lucy, Ricky, and Little Ricky. So all three of us would be in the arena and he would start playing I Love Lucy music and, oh, it would be goofy. And I loved it. And I just, I was so just into that at such a young age, I always thought, man, the announcers got the coolest job ever. Well, I never really, as time went on, here we are back at 18, 19 years old and I'm helping put together a uh, another horse event similar to this, another production. Well, stock contractor, he's just, he, he's gone at this point. And my mom goes, here's your chance. Go get the microphone from him. Well, I, I, if, if you've ever tried to convince somebody that's had a few too many to hand over a microphone, it's not very easy to do. Somehow I coerced him into doing it. And he said, oh, okay, sure. Well, next thing you know, I just kind of, I get comfortable almost immediately. And I started just, and it's so funny how I've developed ever since then. It's like, I can almost like talk crap about people in the audience or racers or riders or what have you. And they eat it up. They love it because they're the center of attention. Like this group that would show up at our horse events, you know, they would end up getting nicknames or we'd pick on them for something or, Oh, the horse would start acting up in the arena and be like, oh, man, what you feed that? Like certain things like that just to and people would eat it up and they'd love it. Well, time went on. I did this for quite a while and he started flipping me gas money for showing up. And, you know, 50 bucks at 19 years old. Mind you, I'm 34 now. 50 bucks at 19. I was I my my mind went, holy cow, that's a tank of gas. Or holy cow, like that's. Maybe I could take a girl out or something like it, it was great. Well, that lasted for quite some time. And then we just weren't able to continue putting these events on. So that I I hadn't had any other experience with a microphone after that. Well, I also have a background in the music business. I'm kind of a human Swiss Army knife. So I started out selling merch for a band called 
the Brody Stewart band, country music, because I had gotten out of motorsports at about 22, 23 years old. I raced motocross for 10 years and uh, unfortunately had to get out, couldn't afford to do it anymore. And just kind of went, well, what am I going to do with this? Because I can't afford to do it. I need to figure something else out. Well, I ended up meeting a bunch of musicians, case in point, decided to go, you know, let's see what I can do here. So met Brody and Brody standing behind his own merch table one night. And I go, hey, Brody, you should get somebody to sell your, your merch for you. He goes, you know anybody? So I pointed at myself and he said, yeah, you're hired. And I get a phone call. First gig as, an, as a merch guy was he was opening for Leonard Skinner. Now stop for a second and imagine that. Country kid, grew up, southern rock, country music. And I get to be backstage with Leonard Skinner. Crazy, right? Well, so I get there. It was at Thunder Valley, the outdoor amphitheater, because now I know they just opened up the big indoor facility. But outdoor amphitheater, summer night, I had an absolute blast. Well, the next thing you know, I worked a couple more shows for Brody and his band, a couple band members decided to break off and start their own band. Then they get a hold of me and they go, hey, Ian, we want to hire you. Because mind you, I wasn't getting paid at the time because I didn't care. I thought it was I thought it was just a lot of fun. So I I get contacted by the other uh, band members and they're like, yeah, we're going to pay you. I said, oh, shit, you just made it even better. So, okay, cool. So I started doing, I start going to events with these guys and they get some big booking contracts. They get some pretty big shows. They opened up for a lot of big names, Craig Campbell, Frankie Ballard. They were on the Wolf Fest bill back when that was a festival. It was, uh, it was something else. Like a lot of the experiences I got to be a part of, it was really something else. Well, they had a change, change of singers and then the band didn't last too far after that. But there were two girls that were backup singers that started their own band. And it was the Ariel Jean Band. Well, Ariel and Amber were backup singers in Blackburn Bullet. And then they got together with Opera House Saloon and then in Roseville and put together a multi-show. It was, it was a multi-act set of shows that focused on women and music. Super cool concept, right? So I thought, okay, yeah, that's wicked neat. And then she's like, so would you be interested in, I don't know, getting on stage and introducing the acts? And I said, like the MC? And she goes, yeah, I, if that's what you call it. She didn't know. I said, yeah. So if you go back in time in the music business, an MC has not really been, it was almost kind of a position in the music business that went by the wayside unless you're in Texas and you're at a dance hall or something like that. They, uh, I, I've said it before to other venue owners and other bands and they didn't really grasp the concept of somebody who's going to get on stage and introduce the act that's coming up. Well, the folks at Opera House got to know me because next thing I know I'm there quite often. And my whole goal is I want that crowd in the palm of my hand, screaming, going crazy, getting wild in between acts, Tell a couple jokes, do some goofy stuff, you know, make sure they're going to the bar, make sure they're drinking. Well, once again, time goes on. And it was a great thing to add to my resume because it was a different form of public speaking. Because in a way, 
you could call it public speaking because I'm in front of a crowd of five to 700 people on a regular basis. And I thought, man, this is something cool. If I can do this, then what else can I do? So I even, I went a little weirder with it because I always loved, I grew up also watching professional wrestling. I know a few of you are laughing and a few of you went, okay, that makes sense. The ones that know me personally. But I was a big professional wrestling fiend as a kid, like most guys like me were. Not going to lie, I'm 34. I still watch it every once in a while. It's entertainment. So we get to, uh, so I, I, I decide to stretch out my whole thing. I have a friend of mine, DJ, DJ CJ. He's the house DJ for Goldfield Trading Post. And one of the best, if not the best, DJ in Sacramento. Big shout out to him right now. He goes and makes me a walk-on song like a wrestler. Because I had this whole other... I had this whole other character. I was the freight train. I was always McDome as a motocross racer, but that nickname went by the wayside when I stopped riding. I was the freight train. Had my big cowboy hat, my scully shirt. I'd come on stage with most likely a beer in my hand and the microphone. And I'll never forget one night, I had this idea because I wanted to kind of collect the crowd. So I go and I talk to the sound guy at Opera House. I said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to play the Aaron Watson song Freight Train and turn it up. Be louder than your bumper music and do something crazy with the lights. I had a smoke machine in the back. After that, I was like, oh, this is cool because I collected the crowd. I got the crowd's attention in unison and collected them. And after that whole rest of that show, they were eating out of the palm of my hand like they should be. So all that experience, I kind of went, I need to do more with this. And I tossed around the idea of trying to do, go back into the motorsports realm and try to jump in as an announcer, but I didn't know where to start. And I've loved everything from truck and tractor poles to circle track racing to motocross to short course off-road. Tro- uh, I shouldn't say trophy trucks because that's desert racing, but you name it. I've enjoyed it. So I thought, well, what should I do? So I think to myself, what would I like to do? And that's like, oh, I'd like to go to be the guy who does like, who MCs slash announces freestyle motocross demos at like fairs, something of that sort. So I started looking around. I come to find out there's a company called W Gas Motorsports. That's at one point in time, they were based locally to where I'm at today. And I said, well, I'm going to get a hold of them and see what I can do. Well, at the time it didn't work out, but then I thought, well, truck and tractor pulls. I thought, man, that's something like I was at my earliest truck and tractor pull I ever went to. My parents claim I was there. I have no memories of it, but the only thing my mom remembered was this tractor winding up and it had two Allison airplane engines on it and it was so deafening she had earplugs on in my ears earmuffs and was cupping her hands around my ears and I'm an infant at this point I mean I've always had a thing for horsepower so I thought well this is worth a shot so I go and I email LNL Productions and Mike gets back to me rather fast and he says hey I have this event coming up come hang out come check it out see what you think and we'll see what you got And at this point, I just met the love of my life, 
Miss Bethany Mayer. I also know she'll be listening to this. And uh, I told her it was something I was interested in. And I asked her, have you ever been to a, a truck pull? And she hadn't. I thought, oh boy, this is going to be the coolest way to experience this first and foremost. So we show up, I check in, and I go, basically immediately go to work because I check in with the announcer and he kind of shows me the ropes of how they run their program. And it was a more intricate tractor pull than I've ever been to because usually it's been one sled, maybe a couple really big horsepower either tractors or trucks or some wicked sideshow thing, like a semi-truck that does a wheelie the whole time. I've seen that. All sorts of different wild stuff. But I show up to this, and it was down in Turlock at the Stanislaw County Fairgrounds. And I said to myself, holy shit, there's two sleds. I'd only seen that one other time at the Dixon Mayfair. They had a little itty-bitty sled for uh, many modified tractors. But that's a whole other story. So I get up into the tower and there's almost early on, like the gates open and there's at least a thousand people in the stands immediately. I thought, holy cow. Now, granted, you go down to Turlock, that, that is the heartland of California. Like the Central Valley being the heartland of farming and the heartland of agriculture. And what do farmers like to do? Spend money on cool stuff. So... It was just, it was a crazy experience because we had a few, the shows normally start out where the guy, if you've never been to one, I highly recommend it because it's one of the most wild things you'll ever see. So the shows start out with basically the guys that drive their trucks there, the street legal classes. And they, as the night progresses, the horsepower goes up, the motors get crazier, the, the equipment gets wilder. It just kind of, it progresses like that. So we get into, we kind of pass up the, the, uh, stock stuff. And then here comes some of these extremely modified tractors. And for the life of me, I can't remember the classes off the top of my head. It was like hot farm or something like that. And I'll never forget this moment. As long as I'm here, this thing pulls in, and if I remember right, it was an international harvester or a farm all. It was one or the other, and uh, it was called Lights Out. And this thing had such a crazy lope in that it, it was just black fireball or black balls of just soot. Bloop, 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 bloop. And it was called Lights Out. I probably just said that, but I'm just still running over this memory in my head going, holy cow. And I remember... I'm going back and forth with the guy who's in the stands and he's kind of hyping the rest of the crowd up. And then I see this tractor and I'm starting to kind of get comfortable with just being creative with the things I say and just getting loose because the crowd wants you to get loose. They want you to get wild. They want you, they want to feed off of you. So I go, Turlock, are you ready for the lights to go out? The place absolutely blows the roof off of what was left of the stands. It was incredible. And at that moment I went, Oh, that was cool. I want to do that. I want to do this more. Now, unfortunately at the time, also due to the fact I have a, uh, have a day job and I have for the majority of my life, I wasn't able to, to keep going with LNL productions, but they do come back into play later on. 
So time goes on. I sent some emails. I sent some other stuff out and I seen an opportunity. I didn't even see an opportunity, but I, 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 I nutted up more or less and got the courage necessary to reach out to, uh, Zeb Armstrong of, of rep racing. And I noticed there was somebody that there was, he was posting something on Instagram and there were people complaining about track prep. Well, his whole program had been extraordinary and he was basically what I saw and felt at the time was totally rejuvenating amateur motocross racing in Northern California. And I thought, holy cow, like this dude's where it's at. So I reached out to him and I said, you know, thank you for this. This is awesome. And by the way, if you ever need a backup announcer or your guy calls in sick or just something, I threw it out there and I said, let me know. I have a lot of experience and I would love to work for you. He messages me back. We exchange phone numbers. A few months go by. I get another phone call. So back when I raced motocross, I used to almost weekly go to Marysville and go hang out with uh, Jesse Van Rokel. Jesse Van Rokel, Lindsey Van Rokel, the whole entire Van Rokel family. It was literally, and they still are, a clan. Now they're a clan with a NASCAR pit crew full of children, but that's a different story. Uh, so I, through years, years were spent with us at Riverfront MX Park on a Thursday night or E Street on the weekends, whatever it may be. I still had Jesse's phone number and I didn't realize this. And all of a sudden, one day I get a phone call and it says Jesse Van Rokel. And I said, holy shit. It's like a time warp right now. And he's like, I completely forgot I had your number. And I go, uh, likewise. So it turned out he had gotten a hold of East Street MX Park. And he said, so I hear you're looking for an announcer job. And I said, oh, yeah, wait, what? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, I just took over East Street. And I go, what? Never saw this happening for the life of me. So he says, hey, come out. Come do a race. Here's the date. Let's see what you got. I said, okay. So I showed up and I'd known the program because I'd been a motocross racer for a solid 10 years. So no, I'd known the program. It's not hard once you've you know done it a large portion of your life. And uh, I just went into it trying to be as prepared as I possibly could. And apparently completely blew expectations of Jesse and Zeb out of the water. So that alone blew me away. And then they both went, we both want to hire you. Well, unfortunately, I don't work for Zeb anymore. And I say unfortunately because I miss a lot of the Moto family, the Moto family of people that I've met along the way. But I'm sure I'll bump into him again. I still do very heavily work for Jesse. Uh, definitely proud to be on the ground level of the East Street MX Park side-by-side -side racing series and that whole facility, that whole addition onto East Street MX Park. And uh, along the way, grabbing a couple extra solo gigs or just one race gigs, uh, reconnected with Jeff Grass. I knew Jeff Grass back when he was MJ Motorsports, building big race car motors. And then he got into pit bikes and he put together a whole facility at his ranch in Escalon 
his parents' ranch in Escalon, and it's Grass Ranch Pit Bike MX. Some of the most fun with the little bikes. Absolutely love it. And is just kept reaching out, kept throwing emails out. One of the best parts, one of the best things that did ever happen to me for sure was there was an attempt early on to bring dirt track racing back to Nevada County, to the Nevada County Fairgrounds. Now, if you don't know the history, there once was a quarter mile oval at the Nevada County Fairgrounds that had a dog leg in the backstretch and it was called Ernie Porcel Speedway. Now, somebody thought it was a bright idea to level the track in the early 90s and it just didn't, that sucks. Always hate seeing racetracks go away. Well, in comes the Uyghur family, Patrick and Catherine. Patrick with a background in dwarf car racing and Catherine being a tremendous businesswoman they wanted to redevelop the whole program and basically start from scratch. They wanted to rejuvenate things because that whole community needed it dramatically. And that's just an honest truth. So they put out a post on Facebook looking for an announcer. I was tagged at least four times. And that alone just astonished me. So I said, all right, cool. Let's see what I got here. And it was Outlaw Carts. Now, truth be told, I'd never seen Outlaw Cart racing. I knew what Outlaw Carts were, but I'd never seen it in person. So I gave him my resume. We agreed on a fee. And I just, I showed up and we, we all learned together. And now to this day, they're going into their second season and they're even adding on to the program even more now adding a 250 class this year, which there is quite a 250 crowd in Northern California. So things ought to be interesting. Ought to be fun for that. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, first race for them is going to be on St. Patrick's day at the Nevada County fairgrounds up in grass Valley. My favorite drive to any facility I've ever worked. It's extraordinary. It's got to be one of the most beautiful fairgrounds in, in Northern California, period. And Patrick and Catherine, great people, always been just absolutely on top of it as far as any kind of problem solving, any kind of expediting of the whole scenario. Like they, it's been extraordinary to work for them as well. And definitely take pride in being on the ground floor of what possibly could be a extremely huge deal. Because they have extremely large goals to get to with this whole program. But right now we're running a sprint car show that's been thrown in a microwave. And that's how I'm going to start marketing it this year. So that kind of gives you guys a little bit of a, a little bit of a background and some stories as far as where I came from. Uh, I will attempt to, if I do episodes like this, to where... It's kind of like just me talking, which is weird because I'm just kind of more or less talking to a wall at this point, but I will have some guests on later on. I'm going to try and bring on some young racers, even if I do it via phone call, uh, young racers, other announcers, uh, even some folks from the Western world that, you know, like I have my friend Austin Whitmore from Cowboy Fresh. He wants to jump on and I said, why not? Because it's not going to just be motorsports. I'm a fisherman as well. And, uh, 
we'll just kind of see where this thing goes. Because if it's anything like my career thus far has been as an announcer, you don't know what's going to fall on my lap. But what I am going to do when I do do these episodes to where it's just me, I will leave you with something that will allow you to go to walk, to come away from this enthused, inspired for me. There was a time where I kind of didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't have a, where I was trying to piece myself back together. I was trying to find my calling. What was the one thing that I could do that I know I could excel at and not even have to put any cognitive effort into. I just would do it amazingly naturally. And it took me a long time to find it. Folks, it took me 33 years. Oh, technically 32. It took me 32 years because I've done a lot in 32 years. I'm 34 now, but I did a lot. I've done even more now. So when I found this, it just... I I literally had that moment and it was back in Turlock where I said, this is it. I want to do this. And I put it out in the atmosphere and I didn't obsess over it. I didn't beat myself up over a goal that I was trying to get a hold of. I just said, I want to do this and I want to have fun. So the moral of that is look at what I did. Look at where I came from and what I've become thus far. If I can do it, you can do it. Because I was the guy who I got picked on a lot growing up. I even got screwed with when I raced motocross. Like, I got browbeat by folks right and left. But I never let that get me down. I found my true confidence and I found the motivation to be, like, for instance, when I was just doing Truck Mania this year, I found the motivation and the confidence to have a microphone in front of at least 3,000 screaming, crazy, rowdy rednecks that were just there to party and there to take in all the horsepower and all the fumes from the race fuel and the alcohol. So I found that coming from being browbeat and picked on and you, you, and I'm talking to you can do whatever you set your set your heart to. You don't have to really set your mind to it. Set your heart to it. Because you will figure it out. So that being said, guys, the pilot episode of Adventures of Poncho and Sancho, I'm just going to put it out there raw and uncut. Uh, as we progress, I'm going to have a super cool intro. Uh, DJ CJ is going to work on that for me. And uh, that's it for now. So I'm uh, going to hope to maybe do this once every other week depending on my how my life's going and it might end up being a weekly thing we'll find out but uh, until then we'll see you at the races eStreetMXpark.com for what i what they've got going on empiremindspeedway.com as well as empiremindspeedway on facebook and instagram eStreetMXpark facebook instagram i'm ian underscore mcadam 104 on instagram you can catch all, all the lovely shenanigans that I do on there. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.